Our scripture today is from Matthew 14. If you guys will stand with me and let's read the word. I'm just going to read today for us. Um, we're in Matthew 14. Like I said, if you want to open your Bibles up, we'll start in verse 22. Um, and for now, we'll just read through verses uh, 22 through 29. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you guys can have a seat. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Um, and I do, I just pray this morning, you would just help us to see with fresh eyes uh, this story. So it's a very popular story. We've probably all heard the story or read it. And so I pray that you would just maybe give each one of us, and myself included, just give us maybe some insight or some understanding um, into what was going on here and why Jesus did what he did and, and how Peter stepped out of that boat and all the things around that. God, just let us see what you would have us to see this morning today and um, take with us the application of that truth so that we may live lives in obedience to your truth. And um, God, that we would not just be hearers of your word today, that we would be doers of your word um, and leave this place ready and willing to follow you um, wherever you call us, however you call us, to step out of whatever boat we're we're maybe in right now, um, even onto waves that don't make a lot of sense. And so, God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Lead us now in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Quick question. Who do you trust? Who's somebody you trust? Just think for a second. In your mind, picture that person. Think about that person. When I say who do you trust, like who's that first person that comes to your mind? It's somebody that just implicitly, you trust them. You believe in this person. You believe that they're going to be there for you. You believe that they're going to help you out if you needed help. You believe that they're going to answer the phone if you call them on the phone, right? You believe that this person is simply there. Because really, that's the, that's the nature of trust, right? That you believe that there's whoever this person is, right? And of course, we should believe this about God, and I hope you do believe this about God. But I just mean another human being. Maybe it's a, a spouse or a friend or mom or dad or whoever it is. That you just know that they're going to be there. They're going to show up. They're going to show up, right? I think maybe that's the kind of the nature of trust. And I was thinking about trust this week, because that's really the point of today's message, is just, do you trust Jesus? Because if you're following Jesus, but you don't trust Jesus, I think you're missing the point, right? I think at that point, you're just a fan of Jesus, but you're not really a follower, because like, the whole point of what, who Christ is and what he's done and what he is doing as we read in these stories is not just that the disciples would you know, walk along behind him. It's not just that they would see him do great things, but it's that they would trust him for who he is. I really know him and believe in him. And I was kind of thinking last night, honestly, just I was sitting there doing dishes last night, thinking about this message. And uh, this thought really, you know, kind of popped in my head about that of just, man, what, how, how is it that we come to trust somebody like that? How, how does that even happen? I think it happens because sort of implicit in the definition of trust is that 
A person that you trust is a person who's kind of probably been through something with you, right? You know what I mean? Like probably a person who you've gone through a tough time with or that they've gone through it with you. Probably a person that you've been in some darkness with because that person then showed up. They were there. They were with you. They were in the midst of it with you. It's hard to trust somebody, right, if you haven't been through something like that with them. Y'all get what I'm saying? That, 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 it, it probably you haven't gotten to that level of real trust because if you have, if you've seen the way a person can show up in a time of trial and a time of trouble, that's the kind of person that you can put reliance upon, that you can put trust in. And of course, Jesus being the, the penultimate example of this kind of person, right, that we can that we can trust. And I think this story is about that for Peter. I think it's about that for all the disciples that Jesus wants to move them from a place of just kind of following him or being near him or seeing the things that he was doing and, and get them to a place of real, deep, intimate trust in him for who he is, not just what he can do. And I hope we kind of see that as we, as we walk through this story. So today, really, the question is just simply that. Do you trust Jesus? Like, do you really trust him. Again, I don't just mean, do you, do, you, do you know about him? Do you think he's a good guy or whatever? And we kind of talked about that last week too, but like, do you really trust him? As we're walking through this series, Jesus changes everything. Um, I told y'all last week, really, this is a sort of a, um, what we're walking along with the VBS messages. If you're doing VBS this summer, you'll, you'll hear some of these stories taught again to the kids at VBS. Um, but we're doing that as a church just to kind of get us all on that same page. But really, it's, it's about Peter's story, right? As we kind of track with Peter through his time with Jesus. And this is a real interesting one. Matthew is the only one that records Jesus, uh, Jesus and Peter walking on the water together. Mark and Luke and John, they don't record that part of the story, but, but Matthew does. And he kind of gives us this insight into a little bit of Peter's moment here where he gets called by Jesus to actually step out of the boat with him onto these waves. So let's kind of walk through the story together. In Matthew 14, 22 and 23, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. And he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. And so the context here of the story is this, that Jesus has just fed the multitudes with the five loaves and the two fish, right? Y'all know that story. Now he's just fed 5,000 people, amazing miracle, all this, all this uh, amazing kind of uproar about who he is and what he can do. The disciples were there. They saw it. Um, Matthew doesn't comment on it, but actually Mark in his gospel, when he tells the same story, he comments that the disciples' hearts were still hard. Okay, even after they, Jesus does this amazing miracle. Don't, don't you always think, you ever, you ever have this thought, man, I wish I was there and I had seen that because then I would believe more. You ever think that, right? We think that stuff all the time. I know you do because I've thought that too, right? Like, man, if I was there, I would believe more in Jesus because I would have seen it. But apparently not, right? The disciples just saw Jesus feed 5,000 people with a little bit of lunch and they received 12 basketfuls left over of food. And it says their hearts were still hard. Right? They still couldn't quite grasp who Jesus really was. And so that's the context of this story. Now, Jesus immediately says, immediately, he sends them out, the disciples. He's like, okay, you guys get in a boat. Y'all go on out into the lake. And then he takes the crowds and he's like, you guys go home. Right? And it says, Jesus does what? He goes up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And we're going to come back to that in a, in a minute. But um, that's, that's sort of the, the context here for the story. Verses 24 and 25. When the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Jesus walks out in the middle of the night. So he, he dismisses everybody. He goes up on the mountain to pray. 
they're out in the middle of the lake, right? And the, and the other gospel writers, Mark and John, who also tell this story, they, they, but they all comment on this, that they're out in the middle. They're not just near shore. They're not re- really, you can see them. They're probably two or three miles out into the water at this point. It's a big lake, Sea of Galilee. Um, they're way out. And it says the wind is kind of against them. The wind's contrary. It doesn't really say there's a storm necessarily, but some kind of strong wind. This valley, this area, um, the, the Sea of Galilee and the whole, the, that whole area was just known for wicked, violent storms. It's the same lake where Jesus does stop the storm in a different story where he calms the storm. Like just known for wicked, violent storms. A lot of wind in this area. So they're out there. Wind is against them all night long. They're struggling. They're like, they don't even know why they're there. You get that? Jesus just said, go. Uh, He just told them, get in the boat and and row on out there. They're not fishing. They're not doing anything in particular. They're just there, right? And they're sitting there in a boat all night long, Jesus up on the mountain. And then finally, in the fourth watch, this is the fourth watch of the night, that would be three to 6 a.m., right? So the latest part of the night, probably the darkest part of the night, Jesus comes walking to them on the water. So the stage is kind of set, right, for them to witness this amazing moment of Jesus coming to them. And I just thought about this as I was reading that story too, that isn't this true that Jesus always sees us before we see him, right? Because he does. He sees them. He knows where they are. He sent them there, and now he comes walking up to them. Makes me think of like Zacchaeus. Y'all know that story? Dude up in a tree waiting for Jesus. He's looking for Jesus, but it's Jesus that sees Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to eat at your house, right? Think about the woman at the well. Like Jesus meets her where she's at. Jesus knows her. Jesus has seen her. I think about Nathaniel, the disciple, right? In John chapter one, he starts following Jesus and Jesus tells him, hey, I saw you already under that tree and that's how I knew you before you ever came to me. I knew you and I saw you, right? Jesus always sees us first. Don't ever think in your faith that you were the one who initiated the relationship that you have with him. Even in 1 John, it says what? That we love, why? Because he first loved us, right? That God always initiates. Surely his goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That word means chase me down. That's what that word means, right? In Psalm 23, that God initiates, God comes after. That is good news. And Jesus comes walking on the lake to these men in this boat with a purpose so that they would see him. Verse 26 says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. I love this little book. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out. I don't know. Like, was that a common thing back then? Did they just like see ghosts around? Was that normal? I don't know. But they're like, it's a ghost. That's where their mind first goes to. Um, It's a ghost. And they cry out in fear. Verse 27, but Jesus immediately, and there's the second time the word immediately is in this passage, by the way. I think it's important. Just like the, 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 the urgency of Jesus to be on the mission that he's on, right? Their hearts are hard and they haven't seen him clearly yet. And Jesus is working here. Jesus is doing work. And immediately he said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And there's something interesting about that statement Jesus makes. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. In the Greek, Matthew wrote in Greek, John wrote in Greek, Mark wrote in Greek. They all wrote their Gospels in Greek, right? Um, and when they wrote, they all, they all write the same thing in this moment where Jesus walks out to them on the lake. They all write, uh, ego and me in Greek, um, where Jesus says, do not be afraid, it is I. Really, the technical translation in Greek would be, don't fear, I am. That's what Jesus said to them. Don't fear, 
I am. Why would Jesus say that? The Apostle John records 23 different instances in his gospel of Jesus using I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? Do not fear, I am. Throughout the Bible, many of y'all know this, what is the most common command in Scripture? Anybody know? Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. Most common command in Scripture, 300 plus times, um, some would translate even maybe 400 plus times in the Bible, we're told, do not be afraid. And almost every single time that that command is given to us, do not be afraid, God tags on to the end of it, what? Because I'm with you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. And so when Jesus says that in this moment, right? Don't be afraid. What does he then say? I am. What's he telling them? I'm with you. And not just I'm with you, I am. God is with you. Because I am is one person to them. The Jews know I am. They know what I am means. In fact, the word Yahweh, where they would get the name for God, it comes from a conjugated verb, I am, to be. It's what God told Moses his name was when Moses met him in the burning bush, I am. And so the Jews took that and they made his name out of that as Yahweh. And so that's what they called God. And so Jesus shows up on the water, walking by them in the middle of the night. Do not fear. And again, their mind goes to all the scriptures that say, do not fear. And every time God says, do not fear, what does he then say? I'm with you. Do not fear, Jesus says, I am. Who's with them? I am. Is with them in the midst of this. This is what Jesus wants them to see. Do not fear. I am. In a single statement, I mean, Jesus is kind of dispersing their fears, but also claiming lordship over the waves that he's walking on, right? Do not fear. I am. I want to read you uh, this passage from the book of Job, actually. Um, Job chapter 9, because this is where we really, we see uh, the reality of of everything that Jesus is doing here and what he's he's talking about. This is Job chapter 9. Starting in verse 6, it says, and this is Job talking about God. He's just commenting on who God is, right? He says, he, God, shakes the earth from its place and makes its pillars tremble. He speaks to the sun and it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. Now, I don't know if there was no light in this night. Like, it seems like it was probably a pretty black night because it's in the middle of the night. The wind is really strong. It's probably cloudy and stormy like it often was there. Like, I'm telling y'all, it was probably pitch black out there. They didn't have flashlights. They, they, they had no, they're just in the middle of, can you imagine how scary that would be? Just being out there. And so Job says, man, he, he speaks to the sun and it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. He alone, listen, he alone, God alone, stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Who treads on the waves of the sea? God and God alone, right? Do not fear, I am. Jesus is making a statement here, y'all. Y'all get this? Go read Job 9, Jesus is saying, I am. Do not fear. Do they see him yet for who he is? That's the question. So verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replies. So here comes Peter. Here comes Peter, like needing to kind of get into the story a little bit. Peter often does this. He sort of inserts himself in a place, right? And it's okay because he, I, he genu- I think he's genuine here. Like, man, he just wants to be where Jesus is. He wants to experience this. He's like, man, this is amazing. This is crazy. He says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. 
verse 29. Second shortest verse in the Bible after John chapter 11. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? So, kind of interesting moment in the midst of this story that Peter asks Jesus to call him out there, right? Jesus, if that's really you. And you got to imagine, again, this is very dark. Um, Jesus probably was not very far away from them. He couldn't have been very far because they couldn't have seen him, not possibly. I mean, if they're in the boat, he was probably right here, like right beside him. And so, Peter's just there, and he's like, man, Jesus, if this is really you, you know, ask me to come out to you. Like, can I, can I do that? And Jesus just says, come. And so Peter does, and he steps out of the boat, and he walks there for a second anyway, maybe takes a couple steps, and then it says he sees the waves, he sees the wind, like he starts to kind of feel the pressure of the things around him, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus, right, is the point. He starts looking at the, the, the circumstance. He starts looking, how many issues in our lives come from that right there? Like we just stop looking at Christ, and we start looking at our circumstances, we start looking at the things around us, of the things that are all, the wind was always there. The waves were all, Peter, you were in the boat. You were fine. You were the one who wanted to step out. The waves weren't going to go away because you stepped out. And he stepped out and then he sees the waves and he sees the wind and he starts to get scared. And of course, he begins to sink. But Jesus does something amazing. Then he just reaches out and he grabs him and he pulls him up. And then he asks him a question. It's a hard question. Jesus will do this from time to time. Hard question. Why'd you doubt? I kind of wonder this about Peter, because again, we're, we're kind of, I want us to sort of track with Peter this summer and just see his journey with Jesus. We saw last week, right, the amazing catch of fish, and Peter falls down and worships Jesus and confesses sin and follows him right then and there, right? He knows who Jesus is. He, he's been amazed at Jesus already. Like, this is a moment of just deeper trust and deeper faith, and, and Jesus calling him out of that boat. But I kind of wonder this about Peter, and I don't know, you can just think for yourself on what is true here, but did Peter trust Jesus more because he, Peter, got to walk on the water or because Jesus caught him when he sank? You know, I just think it's an interesting question to ponder on a little bit. Like which one at the end of that story, at the end of the day, which one was more significant to Peter later? I don't know. Like, I think walking on water is pretty amazing, but he could have easily sank and Jesus could have been like, well, look, I told you, dummy. You know what I mean? Like, just let him go and let him tread water for a minute and let him, like some of us do that as parents where it's like, I'll just let him get hurt, it'll be fine. You know what I mean? Like, they, like Jesus could have done this and he'd have been fine. But it just says, he, man, he reaches out his hand and he grabs him, he pulls him up. Yeah, he asks him the hard question, but here's the thing. He asks Peter the hard question while he's holding Peter up. You get that? Like, I, I, to me, I just think about that. I'm like, man, that might have made a bigger impact on Peter than the walking on water part. The fact that he caught him. Because Jesus does this for us, doesn't he? Man, he'll let us go through the hard things. Yes, absolutely. And you will go through hard things. But do not fear, for I am with you, right? And in the, the, this is the proof of this. Man, I got you. I'm with you. I am, right? This is the I am holding Peter up. And just, man, what an amazing moment. If that wouldn't change your faith right there, if that wouldn't change you from a place of, man, just maybe amazement in Jesus to like real deep trust in Jesus, I don't know what would. 
And I'll tell you this, man, as you walk through those kind of seasons in life, maybe you're walking through it right now, maybe you've just come out of one or at some point you're going to enter one. You see Jesus walk through that with you and hold you up by the strength of his power and support you and encourage you by his people. You ever been supported and encouraged by the people of God, right? God does that through his people and through the resources that he has to give to you and to bless you and to walk with you through the hardest stuff. There is a way that you trust Jesus at the end of that story, right? That you didn't trust him before. You didn't know how to trust him like that before. I guarantee you there's a way that Peter trusted Jesus after this that he didn't know how to trust him before. Even when I fall, even when I make them like, yeah, I stepped out, I did the cool thing, I walked on the water, but man, I just messed up. Jesus could have like totally just bashed me or made fun of me or whatever. Like all the disciples are probably like, oh, you fell. But he's like, man, but Jesus caught me and he was there. I just love that part of the story and I just think it's amazing and maybe um, just so changed the way that Peter thought about Jesus in that moment. Verse 32, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, truly, you are the son of God. And I think that word truly is written there, um, sort of as a commentary on the doubt part, right? Because he just asked Peter, why did you doubt? And they get into the boat and it's truly, right? It's just like, man, this is a matter of fact. I absolutely know this. I believe this. All the disciples, I think Peter included, they just start worshiping Jesus. Truly, they say, you're the son of God. We know now. Again, what was the point of this whole thing? Their hearts were hardened even after the feeding of the 5,000. But now something's shifted. Now something's changed in their hearts, in their minds, in their eyes to see Jesus for who he was, truly. And guys, listen, worship, worship is always the right response to Christ. Worship is like amazement and awe and reverence. You know why? Because worship is the heart's expression of trust. That's what it is. Because in this moment, they could see Jesus for, in a new light. They could see Jesus in a new way. They trusted Jesus in a deeper way. And so worship is what came out of them. If you want to know, like, where are you at right now in your, your, your trust of Jesus? Am I really trusting Jesus with my life? Ask yourself this, am I really worshiping Jesus? Does my heart rejoice in Jesus, even in the trials, even in the hard things? You know, Job, back to Job, right? Job chapter one, after all the bad stuff goes on in Job's life, what does he do? He worships God. He just lost every, lost his whole family, lost all his servants. He loses all his cattle, he loses everything. And it says he falls down and he worships. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right, that's worship because worship is an expression of trust. Man, I trust you, God. And so I'm gonna worship you. I think it's a good way to, for us to kind of measure our faith and where we're at. Are we actually worshiping God through those hard things? Worship is the heart's expression of trust. And that was the point. That was the point. That was the whole point that Jesus wanted the disciples to see him as he really was. I am. In the midst of the wind and the waves, in the midst of the darkness, I am. And so I want to go back actually to the beginning of the story. Um, and I told you we would. We kind of come back to the part about Jesus going up on the mountain to pray. Because that's interesting, right? So Jesus feeds the 5,000 does that great miracle. It's an amazing thing. And after he does that, he says he sends the disciples. They get in the boat. Go, Y'all go out and get on the lake. 
And then he sends the crowds away. And then Jesus himself just simply does what? Goes up on the mountainside, it says, to pray. And he was there, it said he was there by himself. Verse 23. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. What do you think Jesus was praying about? Isn't that a good question? I read stories like this and I just think about stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know if you ever do that, but I think it's a good thing to do as we read the Bible, y'all. Listen, as you read the Bible, just ask questions. Just ask yourself questions. Ask God questions. Think about these things. Really ponder on them. Meditate on them. What, what was Jesus doing? What was he praying for? I don't know, but maybe he was praying that the wind would come. Father, I need some wind here. I need some waves here. Ah, it's too bright. The moon's a little bit bright. The star, why don't you kind of cover that up? I need it scary out there. Because I need them to see something. And you can imagine, Jesus is up on the mountain. They're out on the I think he can see them the whole time, don't you? Like, they're out there. He's up here. He's watching. He's seeing. He's knowing what's going on. Again, Jesus always sees us first. And he sees the scene. I don't know that that's what he's praying for. I'm just thinking, like, why, why is he up there praying at all? If nothing else, he's got to be praying, God, this is what I want. I want them to see me. When I step down out of here, when I walk down off this mountain, and, and again, man, just the thought of how far Jesus had to walk to get to them. Miles. Like Jesus did the work here. You know what I'm saying? Like he did the work in prayer, and he does the work. He hikes down the mountain. He walks across. It says it takes him all night. It's the fourth watch of the night. It might be four o'clock in the morning before he gets there. It's been a while. Isn't it encouraging to know, though, that Jesus will do the work on our behalf? for us to see him for who he is, right? And Mark, Mark 6, 48, um, actually gives us kind of this, this extra little comment about this that Jesus intended, like what was Jesus' intention about all this? In Mark 6, 48, it says that Jesus intended to walk alongside them, to walk near to them. Again, like I said, he probably couldn't have been more than a few feet off the boat. Um, the technical term is like kind of walked alongside or like parallel to the boat. Like he just sort of came right up to them, right beside them. I think I've always thought about that story and he's like sort of in the distance, but he, he's right there, right? Like that's the point of the story. He meant to, to pass by them. He meant to just come right where they could see. Like he needed them to understand. He needed them to see something amazing in this moment. And so, man, when he just goes up on that mountainside to pray, what's he praying about? But all that to say, I think as we read this story and so many other stories in Scripture where we see people go through dark times, people go through hard things, people go through suffering and pain and trials. I don't know. I can't think of maybe but a couple Scripture characters that don't go through some stuff because they all do, right? And just about every one of them, down to the last man and woman, they go through difficult times. And every time, the point is the same. The point is, God intends to show up in that moment. God intends to come alongside of those people. Whether it was King David or Elijah or Moses, whoever it is, right? Paul, Peter, John, like all these guys. He just intends to show up in the midst of it. Did you know that God loves you so much 
that he lets you sit in the waves and the wind so that he can show up for you? And that might sound hard. And that might sound like, why would God do that? that? That just seems, I don't know, seems weird of God to do things like that. But let me ask you this question. If right now, I said, like, in, in my mind, I'm thinking of a particular light in this room that I want you to see. Like, one of these lights, one of these lights, there's a light in here that I want you to see more clearly than you see any other light. Right now, I know it. And I want you to say, now I can point it out to you, and that's one way of kind of doing things, but the reality is if all the other lights are there, it's just kind of easily, easy to be distracted by everything else, right? Because when all the lights are on, there's a million things we could look at. But if I really wanted you to see the one particular light that I had in mind, here's what I would do. I would turn all the other lights out. I would turn them off. And there would be one left. There'd be only one. Now you know. There's a light in here I wanted you to see. Right? And you know which one it is. And that's the point of this story. Yes, we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We may walk through the darkest times in life. We may sit in a boat at times, miles off the shore, feeling isolated, feeling scared, feeling alone, feeling like we just don't understand why this is happening the way that it's happening. But that is exactly the opportunity that God would take to show us who he is, to show us what he can do, to show us the light in the midst of that darkness. Do you see? Do you understand? Listen, whatever it is you're going through, do you have the faith to trust, to really trust? Listen, that maybe, just maybe, God has never done you wrong. That he's never done you wrong. And that even if he would let you sit in the darkness, that he would do so so that you could see the light you need to see. That you could see him for who he is. Because that's the point. And that allows you to worship. And so um, here in a second, we can turn the lights back on. Um, here in a second, we're just going to sing to God again. Uh, the band's going to come out. We're going to praise him for who he is. And I just want to, um, man, I want to offer, just like we do every Sunday, honestly, I just want to offer the, the altar down here, guys, if you need to pray about something going on in your life, if there's a, there's a hard situation that you're sitting in, maybe you do feel like you, you've got some darkness going on and maybe you can't see that. Like maybe you're just like, I don't know why or what's going on or I just need help or I need to ask for something or whatever. Listen, come down and pray. Just, just let us pray for you. I'm gonna be down here. Um, anybody in the prayer team, you're welcome to come down. We're just gonna pray. We wanna pray for you. And if not, we just want this to be a time of worship and singing and praising God for who he is. Because he is good and he is worthy of our praise, right? Even in the midst of that, again, I just think back to Job. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. The Lord, Lord turns on the lights, he turns off the lights. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I am in the midst of that, right? That's what you, I am. Do you see I am in the midst of the darkness? Do you see God? Do you see what he's doing? Maybe you don't understand it, but do you believe that he's still working? that he's still God, that he's still good. Because I promise you this, there will be a time 
if you would walk through the valley of the shadow of death with him and him with you, there will be a time when you come to the other side of that eventually that you'll look back and you'll know, man, that I, I know God in a way I didn't know him before. I trust God in a way I didn't trust him before. And that's the whole point. If you've experienced a, a deeper level of trust in Jesus because you went through a hard thing, would you just say amen? Amen. Right? That's pr- most of us. And if you haven't, I pray that you would, honestly. I pray that you would be able to sit in that dark night sometime. But then see that light. See Christ come in the midst of that. See his people work in the midst of that. See his word be good to you in the midst of that. Because you will. You have two options. You have two options in those dark times. You have two options in those hard times. Run from him or run to him. Just like Peter, just step out to him. You might do it wrong. You might fail. You might mess up. But then again, there he is to get you. There he is to hold you up. So that's my, that's my offer this morning. Man, let's just praise and worship him for who he is. And if you've got something sitting heavy on your soul, come and be prayed for. I'd love to pray with you. I know our, anybody else in here that's a prayer team, we'd love to pray with you. And just, uh, man, just ask God to shine that light into your darkness. Let's pray. God, we thank you and we love you for who you are. We love you that you are I am. That your son Jesus is I am as you are. And that your spirit I am lives within us to draw us near to you. And God, I just want to say thank you too. Thank you so much that we can remember and we took communion to remember today that if anybody knows what it's like to sit in darkness, it's Jesus. And he died in darkness for us. And he didn't just come to rescue us from darkness. He came to enter into it and be become overwhelmed by it himself on the cross so that he could take upon himself what we deserve. And God, we just thank you for it. Thank you that our God, our Savior, knows the pain, knows the fear, knows the disappointment, knows the loneliness, knows the darkness better than we know it. And he has conquered it on our behalf. And so God, we just pray this morning that you would just let us see that and worship you for who you are. Worship your son, Jesus, the name above all names. God, lead us now to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.